The first rule of Fight Club Minute is we do talk about Fight Club. The second rule of Fight Club Minute is we do talk about Fight Club. The third rule of Fight Club Minute, someone yells stop, goes limp, taps out, the minute is over. Fourth rule, only one guest to a minute. Fifth rule, one minute at a time, fellas. Sixth rule, no shirt, no shoes. Seventh rule, minutes will go on as long as they have to. And the eighth and final rule, if this is your first time listening to Fight Club Minute, enjoy the show. I am Jack's 50th minute. I start with a closed door and a toilet full of used condoms, and I end with Tyler popping up out of nowhere in a pink coffee bathrobe. I'm your host, Bubbleweet. My co-host, Lance Stanford, can't believe anything about last night. Right? You know, that's a recurring theme <laughs> in my life, though. That's unfortunate. Of course. And uh, Darren Husted, what are you doing here? This this is my podcast. What are you doing on my podcast? <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, I mean, welcome. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? Uh, you know, uh, the thing is, like... Uh... One of you invited me on here, and then suddenly I was with somebody else, and it was very confusing. But I thought, you know, while I'm here, I may as well uh, at least contribute something. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad to be here. I mean, this is, uh, this is, uh, like, uh, I think when I picked my week, I kind of, you know, obviously I picked the first one for the sex scene because everyone wants to talk about sex. <laughs> um, but also, I, I think like this minute and the next minute are probably like the in terms of like watching it a second time are probably my favorite parts of like the film because it's like, you know, we, we see Marla saying one thing and first time through you're like, she seems a bit unreasonable. What's going on? And then obviously second time through you're like, oh, my God, she's being treated terribly by this crazy <laughs> person um, who is like, you know. Like, I mean, there's some of the some of the things that Tyler says in the next minute that are kind of interesting. But like in this minute, just like the the fact that he's like, "Why are you here?" is kind of like I I I don't know. I just I, I in terms of the minutes, I think this is kind of like a really interesting one. Yeah, the, I I think this this is like one of the the quintessential like the ways that this this film does the the twist properly, and you get two different reads and it handles both of those reads very well uh, but before we get too much into that i i do have a a question a little bit of fun for you know our wednesday episodes so darren if, if you had to fight any celebrity living or dead who would it be uh i mean i did think about this and i was thinking to myself um uh, you know obviously the film posits a few interesting ideas um of who they would fight um and i was thinking to myself uh, like you know, would I would I fight someone that I feel I could easily overpower or would I fight someone who, you know, from history is maybe dead and I would want to, you know, meter some justice to them? Um, and I, I like I think, you know, uh, uh, like maybe this is more of a British thing, um, although I feel like he's quite notorious now. Uh, but I think, you know, beating up Jimmy Savile would be quite fun, um, you know, for the various crimes that he committed. Um, or, you know, possibly Margaret Thatcher. I'm not a fan. <laughs> and uh, I think it'd be fun just to like, you know, I, I feel like also I could overpower Margaret Thatcher quite easily, even in her 80s heyday. I feel like I could get a few punches in, um, you know, and probably take her down quite easily. Yeah, uh, I, know. I could see that. Although the, of, of those two names that Margaret Thatcher is the only one that I'm familiar with here in the US. Okay, well, 
Jimmy Savile was a children's presenter who did some very unpleasant things and, um, you know, to the point where, uh, like, after his death, he was fairly celebrated. And then a few months later, they basically took his uh, gravestone and smashed it into tiny pieces and threw it away so that <laughs> nobody could ever. Go. So, yeah, wow. you know, not, a, not, a, not a nice guy. I'm, I'm sure if, if some of your listeners already know about his name, they would understand the sentiment. But, yeah. I was thinking, you know, that was my thought was like, do I do I pick someone who I can I could probably easily take down or somebody that I could meet us some justice to? Yeah, I, I can see that. Um, and then, you know, jumping into today's minutes, we get I, I think one line that I, I found interesting is we do get a timeline and Jack says that he's been living here for two months and I did go back and count. And at this point, we have seen. Uh, seven different fight club meetings which if they or possibly eight if you look at uh you know the the fight club from last week uh because we see tyler tyler's fight with the nut punch and then we see jack's fight with him getting his head on hit on the concrete which i you know we've We've talked about this last week, but like I mentioned in in yesterday's episode, we haven't actually talked about last week's minutes yet. So we will have. Yes. Uh, So we if we haven't discussed whether or not that is one, if that takes place in the same meeting or not. So that is seven or eight fight clubs if they are doing this every Saturday night, which I, I would assume that they are. So that does put this at, you know, right at two months, you know, eight weeks, two months. So I, I think that's that's interesting the the way that, you know, I, I feel like Fincher is is good at those kind of details. He's good at all kinds of details. He's David Fincher. He doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't mess about. Um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, having having looked at the script uh, before watching this minute, it's interesting that the line that Brad Pitt comes in delivering isn't in the script. Um, that's that's just him kind of, I don't know, improving something and, and it stays in. Mm-hmm. Um, it actually kind of, the next line that he says is the first line that, his, that he says. Uh, but I do like that this, like, this is the start of the, like, you know, Marla leaves and then Tyler enters. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's exactly like a, the second the door closes where she leaves, he is there. And, you know, watching it a second time through, you're like, oh, yeah, of course, he can't <laughs> appear until she's gone. But watching it the first time through, you're like, was he standing outside the door waiting, like waiting to hear the door close <laughs> and come out and like make a statement about what happened? And Yeah, that, that reminds know. me a, a bit of, you know, it, it, it's not a, a great movie, but it does have some funny bits. Um, a, a movie called What's Your Number with uh, Anna Ferris and Chris Evans. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's kind of a, a typical like or you know like a, a raunchy romantic comedy and uh chris evans plays this womanizer guy who basically has a different woman every night and then anna ferris is his across the hall neighbor and they develop this like working relationship where he is trying to track track down her previous ex-boyfriends for you know for reasons and his part of the deal is that he can use her apartment to escape from the woman the next morning so that that way he doesn't have to deal with the morning after. And, you know, he gets a clean break without, 
you know, dealing with the aftermath of these one night stands. And, and that definitely feels like what we get in this, the first viewing of this. Yeah, because it feels like it's just, it's a one night stand between Tyler and Marla. And, you know, Jack is not aware of what's happened until the morning. And, you know, well, he's aware because he's already looked at the toilet, but he's not aware of what fully happened. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't know who was in there. And so, but then the second time through, you're like, this is him asking her a bunch of questions after, you know, uh, I don't know, a few hours of having sex and then like acting like nothing happened. And obviously later on in the film, she calls him out directly for this. But it's it's funny how the first time through your your sympathies are kind of with the narrator being mm. like, why are you in my house? Like, you know, we I've made it clear I didn't want to interact with you in any way. You said you were killing yourself. And I basically put the phone on top of the receiver and just like left it there. And so mm. like his, he doesn't want to be involved with her. But then she's suddenly in his house and he's like, why is this happening? And it's also and a little bit of time... like he, he feels like Tyler has unknowingly betrayed him because it's like, you know, Mar at this point, he kind of thinks of Marla as his like rival or his enemy. And it's like, oh, Tyler's sleeping with the enemy. Yeah. Although I do love the the cartoon look on Ed Norton's face where like he's looking at her and looking back and like <laughs> his eyes get real wide. I mean, it's straight out of like a uh, Chuck Jones or Tex Avery thing to me. I mean, he just you're one step away from his eyes like bulging out and being like what yeah is he going like does on? the double take you know, um, he looks back he's like huh <laughs> yeah it's I, I don't know i think that's just a really funny moment you know that's which you know we just had this i don't i even feel weird calling it a sex scene because you know like we talked about yes uh, last minute um but you know you just come off of this this sex scene and then you're about to have some other and then you have this nice little beat in the middle of it where you're where you know it's it just throws you off guard and i i don't know i think that's why it's so funny is usually after you have a sex scene you know you get the the sweet pillow talk you know like the the rock hudson doris day pillow talk style stuff and then um but now in this movie you get like why is this person because I, I mean i think uh, i can't say everybody i know when i was younger and had roommates and things there'd be times we'd come home um and there'd be just a random girl at our house like one time we came home unlocked the door and there was a girl just sitting in our living room watching tv me and one of my roommates and we're like how did you why are you in our house like it was this moment like why are you in our house she's like oh well roommate number three gave me a key and it's like okay but like at that time i lived with two bartenders um in a college town which that's like i don't know better than being a, a a king or a god or something apparently because for free drinks girls will do a lot of and guys people will do a lot of things let me let me make sure I'm clear but so yeah there's always right and i was you know waking up making breakfast and like no well, guess i'm making an extra flight today because yeah it's like who are you and why are you in my house and so i for me that's a a feeling you know obviously we come to find out it's in a different way but i i can totally relate to waking up and they're just uh, a random person in your house that definitely looks like they've been up all night and so it's yeah it, it's a a familiar moment in a weird way and it, it's weird because it it sets it sets the narrator up as like a third wheel in this relationship and like there is a little bit for you know i would say for kind of the next i don't know 10 15 minutes of this film there is a kind of a, like the first time through there is this kind of third wheel feel of like 
the narrator doesn't fully understand what's happening and he's also mad at it and also he doesn't like Marla and he wants her out of the house and he's kind of like angry at Tyler a little bit. There's like this, it turns into like a kind of sitcom premise of like, you know, your friend is having sex with the person that you hate and second time through, obviously it's not. It's second time through, it's like, it's Marla being tortured by this one guy. But I think it's funny that like, yeah. th- th- like you say, it plays both ways. Fincher is able to cope the first time through make you feel a bit of sympathy for the narrator being thrown off by the sudden appearance of this person that he's made it clear he doesn't like. And then second time through, you're like, oh, this is such a complete, like she's been treated so terribly by this person that like, it's a miracle that she hadn't just like walked out the night before, but she, you know, she at least has the courtesy to come down and, you know, uh, I don't know, swig a bit of water and kind of <laughs> well, try and get cleaned up a little bit. It, yeah. It's actually, you know, it, it's funny. And it, it mentions this in the script, but she's, she's gargling coffee. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. I mean, it's a good way to wake up, you know, like before energy drinks, before chugging some Red Bull, I guess, like gargling coffee is probably the next most effective thing. But it's funny that Uh, uh, she does gargle it. (laughs) Yeah, she gargles a bit of black coffee and then uh, spits it out into the, the, you know, a dirty pan in the sink, which the, the first time watching it, I watching this minute, I thought that she was spitting it back into the pan that they made the coffee out of. But then. I I noticed that the next minutes there's actually a second pot and the, the one next to the sink is the one with the fresh you know, you know quote unquote fresh coffee in it and the the pan that she spits into in the sink is a just a dirty pan. Gross. <laughs> but yeah, th- this is like and also this does feel like I think the perfect kind of sitcom esque example is or even like going to like comic books that this kind of feels like whenever clark kent and superman had a date at the same time with two different women and they you know he's trying to manage that and and i feel like that's a perfect example because that you know superman and clark kent are the same person but they're trying to make everybody else think that they're two different people but here jack and tyler are the same person but they're the one that thinks that they're two different people, and Marla only sees the one person. Doesn't that happen yeah. in Superman Four? Doesn't he go on a date with two? Oh, am I going crazy? Did I did I imagine that, or is it Superman Three? There's, oh, I'm sure uh, there's a Superman where he actually does that. The Christopher. I try to block Superman Four out of my memory. <laughs> yeah, so I, there's a good chance. Yeah, I believe it, Superman it Four is the one that. with uh, Muriel Hemingway. The you know uh, the yeah. The daughter of the person that bought the uh, uh, Daily Planet, and so there's like the yeah. the love triangle with, or you know the weird love triangle with her and Clark, I think, and then Lois and Superman. Well, it almost uh, and what it reminds me, especially when you're talking about that, like I have flashbacks to Mrs. Doubtfire, <laughs> like there at the end where he's like trying to be Mrs. Doubtfire with the family, but to be himself with the tv executive guy and running back and forth in the bathroom switching like uh just because it's more chaotic you know and that there are little things that slip um i can't believe i'm comparing fight club and mrs doubtfire but you know like in kind of the same way in this movie like there's little things that slip that you notice i mean after you know you go back and watch like darren was saying it's like you realize oh wait no this is this is a completely different thing than what I thought it was. And so, yeah, that's kind of what I get is because you know, it starts where like he'll leave his teeth in or 
not button the shirt or do whatever. And, you know, then the other people realize that they're the same person. I feel like that's kind of where we're at here is like, wait, because this, this minute I'll go ahead and get the, like, not only do you get the trio in the same scene more or less for the first time, you get so much, um, or you know, Oh, I had this crazy dream. Can't believe it. Well, we know why. And it's like every single character alludes to them being the same person in this minute. But if you don't know, you don't, you know, it doesn't seem like that. And so I think, I think this is aside from the awesome Looney Tune <laughs> moment, like I think this is one of the, the better minutes of the movie. Oh, definitely. And yeah, like one other little background detail that I did kind of want to point out is I, I noticed on the corner of the, the counter we can see a couple like industrial size bags and the the jar like for the the soap making which i i think is a nice touch and you know something that's easily overlooked too but just a, a fantastic bit of set design and background detail that they have and i mean i feel like i mean we're going to talk about it more in the next minute i would think but mm. i mean the choice of robe from brad pitt <laughs> yes like <laughs> To this day, I want that. Robe. You know, it's like, funny. I... I did a search for this robe because, uh, you know, watching it on, on the computer and you know, old DVD quality, I I couldn't tell if the the robe was supposed to be pink or if it was dirty white. So I I looked up recreations and I saw one that, uh, that claimed to be like you know an authentic, uh, collectible recreation. Like it it didn't say that it was from the set, but it said that. It kind of claimed that um, that it was made from like the same people, like that that they made it as a collective collector's edition, and they were trying, they were asking over six thousand dollars for it. I don't want one that bad. <laughs> but there were also a few other recreations that that weren't, you know, an exact match but similar. Most of them were pink. Uh, there was a couple that were white, and and they were at a, a bit more reasonable, but still expensive for a bathrobe, like you know, one to two hundred dollars. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's definitely pink with those little like, coffee cups on the back, and uh, sometimes it's hard to tell, especially like with you know the 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 color grading uh, that you know and just the fact that everything is so dirty yeah but i mean you know we could talk about it more in the next minute but you know that's the that's really the only i mean in the script it says that jack gets up and watches marla leave but obviously edward norton probably ruled that out in the day and was like i'm just gonna keep sitting here and <laughs> eating this cereal i'm not gonna <laughs> i'm not gonna stand up for no purpose and then sit back down like it seems like a bit of a pointless stage direction yeah and, and just the timing of everything and just the fact that like brad pitt is immediately talking it's like he whenever he comes in you almost feel like this is the middle of a conversation you know that's he he just picked up right where he left off and the, there was no like this doesn't feel like the start of a conversation that this feels like the middle almost like and it's yeah nothing you know it's like he's not even breaking stride it's just immediately as soon as he comes into as soon as he pops into screen he is on had that song they're never gonna break my stride <laughs> said that i don't know but yeah the the interaction there is you may you know you see a lot of times uh, in more recent years like in the last 10 15 20 years where if that happens in a movie the other person calls them out they're like were you just waiting for that moment were you waiting to make an introduction or something 
uh, and it's it's an old cliche, you know, that I feel like we've gotten away from. And it, but I feel like here it it works, you know, because he was what you know. We find out like like Darren was saying, you know, he can't be there while Marla's mm-hmm. there, so he he is just kind of waiting off in the wings and ready to go. And the the other thing that I I realized I I meant to say a bit earlier, but like from from Marla's point of view, like whenever Jack says, you know, that this is my house that, you know, from the second time you watch it, you realize that it, it's basically like him saying, you know, what are you still doing here? You know, it, it's it's morning. You should have been being gone as soon as you woke up like this. It's it. This is the morning time. This is my time. Nighttime. Like you were 100 percent just a booty call. Even though we yeah. had never, well, I guess from Jack's perspective, for from Tyler's perspective, they had never met before. But you know, it's like, yeah, this this was a a booty call for sure. From kind of from his point of view, or, or you know, that's definitely what Marla gets from it in the morning. Which is, in a way, it's almost like sad, but that she keeps going out with Tyler. But at the same time, like from, uh, you know, the, the fact that that we were talking about how Marla does suffer from like a clinical depression and she does seem like a lonely person that I, I think that she would be someone that would continue to see Tyler even, uh, even though it it's weird because you like whenever you think of Marla as a character and the way that she's depicted it's like she is someone that doesn't care what anybody thinks but at the same time it's it does seem like she's presented as uh someone that's like hiding self-esteem issues yeah and of course i mean i like it, it to me the way that they're doing the makeup for helena bottom carter they seem to be making her look you know like someone who would be taking drugs like a little bit thinner and you're a bit emaciated um and obviously her hair is you know wildly out of control um but i don't think you can hide the fact that helen bottom carter is an extremely beautiful woman and so it's like whatever they're trying to do to make her look a little bit worse uh you know it kind of works but at the same time you know at least for me i can't help but go that's helen bottom carter she's extremely beautiful (laughs) and uh (laughs) <laughs> like <laughs> you know putting a little bit of dark circles under her eyes isn't really gonna make me think that she's you know but like i you know it, it, this this role is so completely different to everything she'd been known to up to this point it's kind of interesting looking back to see how they kind of attempted to make her you know, aside from obviously the american accent uh, make her completely different from everything that she'd done previously like you know the, the way they did her makeup the way they did her hair like like you know everything is completely different and yet nowadays you know looking at it backwards this feels like totally something that she would do but the yeah yeah i I think a lot of people forgot that this this was the start of it this this was her first one of these roles before that she was what like mostly like period dramas i think yeah yeah this one she found out she was like i can just roll out of bed and not have to do my hair and still make millions of dollars like let's let's go yeah and also like she's also one of those actresses who clearly and i think she even says this in some of the commentary she likes to smoke and so (laughs) taking a job where she gets the excuse to be on set smoking all the time was like yeah sure same with kate winslet like once you notice that kate winslet likes to smoke 
you look at her roles and you're like, oh, she's only taking this so she can get paid, you know, to be on set smoking. She doesn't have to buy her own cigarettes. <laughs> yeah, that's stuff. it. Yeah. They're from, I don't know, craft services or wherever you would get them. I don't know who'd be supplying them to her, but yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of weird, like the way they're trying to like, you know, I'm not saying that she doesn't inhabit the character of Marla Singer, but, you know, looking at it from an, you know, a minute by minute perspective and uh, it's kind of interesting. You, you can see how much they're trying to make her different from how she'd previously been. And obviously that starts with the, the, you know, with the accent and on the commentaries, like all the boys are like, yeah, she was phenomenal. And it was insane to see her like every day doing this. And, you know, like they, they praise it to no end in the commentaries and it's understandable because it is, you know, a great role for her. All right. Well, that's, that's the end of my notes for this minute. Do either of you have anything else for this minute? I mean, my only thing would be in the script. I, the phrasing is very interesting when it says that she enters and it says, um, uh, straightening her dress, she looks like she's been raped by a hurricane. <laughs> um, yeah. And then, obviously, the next line is Jack's draw jaw drops, which Ed, Edward Norton really goes to town on those three words. He really, like, his jaw does drop, like, the expressions that he's pulling in this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, editing Glass Onion Minute and watching Edward Norton in that, he does similar things in that where he sees certain characters and he's, he makes a face and you're like, yeah, that's like the Edward Norton face. Like it's it's something that he kind of always he, like. It's really weird that people think of Edward Norton as like a really serious kind of grumpy person. When you look at some of his films, and he does like like you say, pull these slightly cartoony expressions, and it's like his back and forth is kind of like yeah, his joy is clearly dropping, and he doesn't know what's going on. Um, but yeah, obviously that's an interesting phrase to say that she'd been like raped by a hurricane. No, obviously it's just stage direction. But... Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Darren, thank you so much for joining us uh, again. And why don't you go ahead and you know take another moment to let people know uh, where else they can find you. Um, I here's what I'll say. I'll say uh, search for my, for my name whenever you, whatever you're subscribing to podcasts, and you'll find a bunch of podcasts that I've done. And the most recent one is uh, Glass Onion Minute, which is still under the feed for Knives Out Minute because I couldn't, I didn't feel like making a separate thing. It's you know, it's all part of Benoit Blanc. Um. Uh, and I guess that, you know, connects us to Edward Norton, um, you know, being in the there's very I think that that's the only person from this film that's in anything that I've I've produced previously. Uh, there might be like Holt McCannon, he might be in like, I don't know, Seven or uh, or Social Network or something as a small. Well, um, um, uh, Bob Stevenson was in, you know, he had a small role in this movie and in Seven. Oh, there you go. So that connects to, I like I say, I covered seven previously in, in Social Minutes. So if you search for my name on most podcatchers, then you'll find me there. Um, I have I don't really have a presence on social media. I mean, I do, but not really one that I feel like uh, people would need to follow. Awesome. Well, thank you, uh, Darren. We, we, we would like to think we're on social media. Uh, we're everywhere out there as Fight Club Minute. We're out there individually as Bubble Wheat and the Night Nerd. You can find us on whatever's the new hotness uh, when this airs, hopefully, or the, the old busted, you know, men in black quotes. But you, if you have any like questions, comments, concerns, you feel free to hit us up, fightclubminute at gmail.com. Uh, we love to hear from you. You know, we love all the great things we're getting and stuff. We're also part of the Rabbit Hole Podcast Network, uh, whatever you like, whether you want to hear about lyrics, about movies, books, writing, dead people. It's out there. There's great things to check out. And uh, as always, we still have that contest going for every 25 reviews we get. So write a review, preferably on Apple or something, but wherever you listen to your podcast, because that's where you're going to find us, leave us a review. 
screenshot it, email it to us. Every 25, we're going to do a random drawing. After the first 25, you know, we're giving away that copy of Fight Club 2. Then the next 25 is Fight Club 3. Then after that, we have some goodies and surprises that um, I don't think we're really ready to talk about yet. We're still in the first two rules of, of bonus prizes. But, uh, and it's open to everybody. If you're overseas, we'll send you the PDFs and whatnot. But otherwise, that's going to do it for us. Darren, again, thank you so much. This has been the Fight Club Minute, and it's ending one minute at a time. What are you doing here? What? This is my house. What are you doing in my house? Hi, I'm Jason Soto. And I'm Lisa Leahy. And we're the host of Between the Scares, a podcast that takes a look at every movie that Blumhouse Productions has made. You may not recognize the name, but they have made some of your favorite horror movies like Paranormal Activity, Ouija, and Insidious. Yeah, Jason, but they've also made stupid movies like The Fever and Best Night Ever and Hysterical Blindness. Yeah, those two. But they also did Whiplash, Get Out, and Us. And we're going to cover it all. Hey, did you know that Jason Blum also produced that Gem and the Holograms live-action movie? He did that? Uh-huh. Ugh. Fine. But then you have to watch The Green Inferno. Uh... So listen to Between the Scares on Anchor, Apple, Google, Amazon, or our home location at rabbitholepodcast.com.